Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ready. Play. Oh, don't share that screen, Johnny boy. Don't share the screen. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> anyway, listen, everybody, nice to be here. Nick, nice to see you again. It's been a week or so. How are you? It's been too long, John. I can't go for more than a week without talking to you. Well, I mean, it was daily at various times uh, during the uh, the end of summer and, and autumn. So, um, yeah, it does feel like a long time. Damien, it's not been quite so long. I was talking to you, I think it was on Friday. How was your weekend? <laughs> Yeah, uh, very good. Uh, excited to see, you know, jump into other players. Like Nick said, I also didn't watch the second episode, but as you said, there are no repeat offenders anyway. Uh, that's not going to matter. Yeah, uh, haven't haven't done any studying, <laughs> obviously, but we're, we're going to cool. see what's, what's going to come at us. That's cool. Uh, of course, on Friday's episode, we had an Italians only uh, episode of uh, evaluating the years and uh, our Italian friend Mario is back with us. How are you doing, Mario? Everything went good. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Just okay. Mario and Damien will have a slight advantage over Nick. They kind of know how things go. They've already done it once already. So they hopefully will hit the ground running. But uh, for everybody else also tuning in, feel free to let us know some of your comments in the live chat. We've already got someone who wants to talk about Leila Fernandez. Andy Murray, uh, regarding uh, Andy Murray's year. This comment, by the way, about Murray should just sort of basically chill out. Well, I'll let you address it um, if or when Andy Murray appears in this lineup. Um, but I'll let you know, basically, to, for those of you tuning in, but also to our three guests, basically, I will throw a player at one of you. I'm probably going to do it slightly different to last week, actually. I'm going to throw one player for example, to Nick. Then, after Nick has had his one minute, if any of us three disagree, then we can talk. If we just go, we all agree with Nick's conclusion, we move on. Simple mm -hmm. as that, basically. So I'll probably give each of you one player at a time, if you like, and basically stick your hand in the air and talk, um, or, or if, you, if you disagree or want to add something. But you'll each get one player, basically, as we go through, but I think I've got about 12 players altogether, something like that. So um, should be plenty of time. Any questions from you three? No, nothing. That no, seems sense. very simple. Yeah. It's very simple. Tennis is version of just a minute. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I, uh, I have got a stopwatch somewhere. Yes, here it is. Yeah, so I, I will be aware of it. Plus, we've got it on the screen anyway. But uh, you can go slightly over a minute. But I might say, Nick. Mario, Damien, whoever, uh, time to move on. Okay, let's go with our first player. And let's have, well, I guess Nick is the, the newbie. Uh, he may, or newbie to this game, not newbie to talking tennis. 
And Nick may have also seen a little clue anyway as to who this player is. Nevertheless, we're going to go for it. Here we go. Uh, Nick, give me a minute on whether you think it's been a good year or a bad year regarding expectations for Ons Jabeur. Good year. Easy. Straight out of the gate. Two Grand Slam finals. First first 1,000 title. Uh, biggest of her career. Seemed to get over a lot of the mental hurdles that she set up for herself over the course of her career up to this point. Um, I think there was a lot of hope for Ons Jabeur going into the year that she might get some good results given her talent, given how much she'd improved in 2021. But she exceeded all expectations in 2022. I don't think anyone would have thought she'd got to two Grand Slam finals. Um, clearly world number two Wimbledon was uh, a block of the copybook but even then like that final run was pretty impressive and I think she was only undone by an amazing performance from Elena Rabakina. Um so for me on Jabeur good year don't think she has a lot to complain about um, and um, it sets her up very well for 2023 so yes that's my answer I completely agree any disagreements I'm going to say it wasn't good. It was awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. all. We can, we can get yeah, to the next I agree. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Nicely put there, Nick, and easily done. Okay, on to our second player. Let's go with you, Mario, for the second player on our list. And that is Arina Sabalenka. Oh. It's quite difficult, this one. <laughs> um, well, I have to say that uh, uh, she saved her year uh, in the end. Uh, from from August, uh, uh, like uh, do, being in the final, uh, in at the WTA finals, uh, uh, the US Open semifinal. Um, probably I have to say uh, that she, she struggled a lot. Uh, but probably um, this has been a, a challenging uh, year for uh, for Arena, um, so I'm I'm quite uh, quite okay with the way she fought uh, and with the way she she went through this particular season. Um, so well, n- not a, a memorable season for her, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I'm quite okay with uh, with her performance. Nice. Um, anything to add, either Damien or Nick? I think at this stage of her career, she sort of has to think like, I need to win a Grand Slam. So from that from that standpoint, it, you could say that it's slightly disappointing. But yeah, there's enough. Uh, there's just there was just enough good stuff from her that you can't really call it bad. It was just pretty much the same as as previously and i'm assuming that for her it is slightly disappointing uh nick yeah i was gonna say much the same as damien uh i I, the the slightly disappointing bit is uh the bit i would just i would i would agree with um on the point i was i wasn't i think for her year and her expectations of what we were thinking she could do definitely underperformed was not as good as 2021 didn't win a title um, didn't get quite deep in big tournaments. Yes, she had a good a good few headline results, like reaching the US Open semi-finals, beating Iga Sviantec to reach the WTA finals final. Like Mario said, she saved her year from being a disaster. Um, it was it was a, a decent year, but it wasn't quite a good year. Right, and I think expectations is also a, an important word. And and if she's going to have a good year, if you like, at some stage in the next few years. It has to include a Grand Slam win, I think. And that's that's the standard she set for herself by, you know, finishing top five two years in a row. Okay, listen, uh, time to move on to our next player, keeping up the pace. Uh, let's go with you, therefore, Damien, to tell us your thoughts on good year or bad year, or perhaps elsewhere, for Andre Rublev. <laughs> 
Uh, this is probably similar to Sabalenka for me in some sense, in that maybe I I don't think really you know it's it it wouldn't be such a natural step for Rublev to uh, win a Grand Slam, of course. As for for Sabalenka, it sort of felt like for the past couple of years, but I can't really call it good. It was just more of the same again. Like he has definitely solidified his position among the world's elite, but he also hasn't done anything to suggest that he would threaten to either win a Masters 1000 event, either a Grand Slam. So yeah, it's like bang in the middle between good and bad for me, not just relative to his expectations, because obviously it's pretty amazing, you know, top 10 in the world, even the ATP finals, he was... Uh, well, yeah, the, with the with how he performed in the semifinals, maybe maybe it actually leaves a bit of a sour taste. But anyway, yeah, I I can't really call it either bad or good. Right, relative to his expectations, he just hasn't made much progress to me. Guys, anything to add? Mm, yeah, if I have to say um, a positive thing about his season, is that I um, I saw. Um, like an improvement by him in in big matches in matches against uh, uh, top opponents like uh, um, I'm thinking about uh, for example the way he handled uh, uh, the ATP Finals group stage um, yeah probably uh, he has to to do another step uh, but I I saw a slight improvement. Nick? I wouldn't agree that he's improved, uh, but he hasn't gone backwards. He's, I don't think his headline results have been as good as last year. So if we're going by sort of comparing to previous years or maybe even to last year, it's it's a slight disappointment. But again, like much like Damien said, like Sabalenka, he's not slid backwards and he's done very well to stay in the top 10 and maintain that consistency that he's known for. So... It's not that he hasn't quite taken that step forward. Maybe in his game plan, as Mara is suggesting, the way he's playing, maybe there's some improvements to that. But results-wise, not that impressive. Cool. Thanks very much. And for those of you tuning in thinking, I look like I've got a cough, it's because I do have a cough. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anyway, uh, at that point, uh, we will move on to our next player. Um, and that person, that player, let's go with you, Mario. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on good year, bad year, Mario, for Maria Sakkari. Oh. <laughs> uh... Grand Slam results um, have been disappointing. Um, that's for sure. Because uh, in 2021, uh, she reached two semifinals. Um, probably in 2021, she's been the most consistent player in uh, in big events. Um, but even if he went uh, through some ups and downs... Um, she still reached the uh, 1000 final uh, uh, two uh, two times uh, 1000 finals in Indian Wells and Guadalajara um, another big result uh, um, at the WTA finals uh, still no titles uh, so um, in in some way uh, she still um, she still did good things um, but there's a but, <laughs> uh, and I, I want to see to see something more uh, next year. Um. Oh, there you go. I'm back. Okay. I just pressed the wrong button. Don't worry, Mario. I'm still here. Uh, um, Mario, I completely agree. Mario, I completely yeah. agree with you. Um, to make this nice and boring. Uh, Damien, what do you think? 
Not much to add, really. Uh, you know, j just for a player of her stature to have just one WTA title and be it Rabat Clay 250 from three years ago is just wild. And yeah, uh, as soon as she clears that obstacle, you know, maybe we can call 2023 good when she wins a WTA thousand event. But no, I mean that 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 was just more of the same, pretty much again. And we can't really call it good. It, it it's even more bad than good, probably. Okay. Yes, I think I would uh, echo all of those thoughts. And I guess a little bit like Sabalenka, you know, she's now at the stage where she's got to at least make a Grand Slam final for us to really be talking about uh, a, a good year. Okay, next one. This one's for you, Nick. Maybe the trickiest one so far. Maybe the trickiest one for a million different reasons. Nick there breathing nervously. Here we go. Nick, thoughts on Simona Hallow. <laughs> Tricky one, okay. right? Okay. Sorry. Nick. That is very... Yeah, that is a tricky one. Um, okay. On the, court on the court only, good year. Um, because she came out the blocks firing. She won a title in the first week. She returned. She got to the Grand Slam semi-final um, kind of as the sort of defending Wimbledon champion and got undone by the eventual champion. It wasn't a bad performance. Um, uh, I Getting our Masters 1000, I keep calling Masters 1000, a thousand title um, is uh, on the on the, on the the board again. Fantastic. Generally really consistent. Cracks top 10 again. All good results, given that she's kind of getting into the latter stages of her career. She's still very much a contender. Um, so on the court, um, definitely a good year for Simona Halep um, in coming back from injury in the way that she has and getting these good results. So, so, yeah, I would say on the court, good year. If you take off the court, it just ruins everything. Of course, of course. Um, anything to add from either of you two? I mean, yeah, court... just to say that... Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Go, oh, go, oh go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, so, um, probably um, from... Um, regarding her level, her tennis level, um, probably she stated that uh, only Iga Svjontek is is still um, better than her uh, for what she did on the court. Um, I remember that after Canada, uh, after US Open, she was also six, seven in the ranking. Then she she hasn't played, so uh, she dropped to ten. Uh, but probably she would have finished in also in the top five. Uh, so from this point of view, very good year. Cool. Damien? Mm -hmm. I, I kind of agree with the part about her level because I think whenever she was actually on the court, like the quality that she's shown was among the very best, definitely not number 10 in the world for me, uh, but much higher. Uh, but the slams were just such a big disappointment. And I think she's, you know, she, she, she even said that she was like considering retirement last year or something like that. I think at this stage, it's really all about the slams. When you're a 31-year-old former number one who has three Grand Slam titles, I mean, you, you have to think about the slams. And um, other than Wimbledon, it was, you know, some very disappointing losses. Snigur especially, of course, but also, uh, well, Kim Wenzheng was, I, I think she was injured in this one. Cornet, she lost to the Heat, but still, just looking at this, I, I can't really call it a good year for her. Uh, not even taking, you know, into consideration that off-the-court stuff. I think the results she made, especially at slams, just don't do justice to how well she played in 2022. Cool. Oh, I, well... This next one is going to be for Nick once again, and then I'll listen to whether you two disagree or agree with Nick's assessment. So, Nick, give me your view on the year for Andy Murray. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Um I, oh gosh, I'm hoping Scott and Clara are not watching this. Um, with, okay, I'm going to say this now. He, he's definitely built on the positive results he got in 2021. Um, he probably hasn't got as deep in the slams he would have liked. He's still not quite cracking anywhere near a, 
but he hasn't quite cracked getting to a two, another title. Although he's been to two two fifty finals this year in um, Australia, I forget which city, and it might no, it's Sydney, Sydney and uh, yeah, Sydney and in Stuttgart. So two two fifty finals is pretty good. Um, so I'm wondering third round of grand slams. Um, I think though he probably wanted to achieve more. It probably feels like he could have achieved more. Um, so although it was a positive step forward for Andy Murray in comparison to last year, it's not enough of a step forward to really consider it a, a good year. Don't but I'm not going to... Sorry, Nick, go There's a comment from a couple of hours ago that actually is related to Murray and... Uh, yeah, it quotes Sue Barker that she said she didn't want to travel around the world begging for wildcards back in the day, so she knew it was time to quit. And it's like suggesting that Murray should quit. And at this point, he's not begging for wildcards, right? I mean, that this isn't, you know, at, at 49 in the world, he's basically guaranteed entry into everything, but some ATP thousands maybe. Um, but uh, still, uh, to me, it was slightly disappointing. I know comparing to 2021, it's great, um, the, the ranking jump especially, especially. Uh, but simply, I don't think Murray has shown just just because of what a player he used to be. Of course, before all the injuries, but um, he hasn't shown that he can get back to that level. Like, there's no sign, there's no belief in me that he can get back to anything remotely close to that level. Like threatening to win a Grand Slam or something, or even an ATP thousand event. So, in in that sense, it, it, I would consider it slightly disappointing. I I, I certainly wouldn't call it good. Um, Cool. Yeah, I was expecting more. Okay. Uh, a bit more. Because, uh, yeah, because uh, um, the way he finished the uh, 2021 season, um, I don't know. Um, I felt that uh, um, he he could be could be able to beat um, in some matches the top guys. While this year uh, that win hasn't arrived. Um, I don't know. I was expecting a bit more, to be honest. Yeah, I think um, probably echoing what many of us thought and believe, despite that jump. What surprised me, by the way, is that he was as low as 134 a year yeah. ago. I, I, I guess what, what I found during these shows, guys, is that actually you can get a point in time <clears throat> and it can be a little bit misrepresentative. And we just have this arbitrary figure at the end of the year and we look at it again sort of 10, 11 months later, and it, it can kind of skew things. But yes, I think I think what I found as well with a lot of players, and I think Andy's included in this, I think that the ones that we're putting in the in the disappointing year category, if you like, some most of them are just one or two results from transforming their year. You know, Sitsi Pass, for example, wins the ATP Tour finals. And we go, we're, we're super positive, especially if it's sort of recent, if you like. You know, I mean, I, I also think the same for Someone like Sabalenka or Sakri, if they'd won the end of year finals, we'd be all for them having had a great year. But one or two results don't go their way. And that's certainly been the case for Andy, I would say, in Ikon. Ikon, when he lost to uh, Peter Corder recently, but Berrettini, of course, uh, at the US Open too. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anyway, before I ask your opinions on the next player, we do have a member of the Talking Tennis team who was super, super, super keen to air his thoughts on the next player. So I have an audio, bit of audio we're going to play. Then I'm going to come to you, Damien, for your first initial thoughts on both the player, but also the audio mm -hmm. review of this person's year. So <clears throat> let's go for the player, by the way. You can all chill out and I can let you know in advance, in a way. It's Hubi Herkatch. Um, but before I hear Damien's initial thoughts on Hubi Herkatch's year, I am going to play us a little bit of audio from Vanch who was particularly keen to air his thoughts 
on Hubi Hercatch's year. Hubi Hercatch, by the way, went from nine to ten in the world. So I guess he does sort of fall into this category of don't know, kind of good, kind of bad. Um, but let's hear what uh, Vanch had to say. He also put this poll out, by the way, on Twitter, which I believe has still a bit more legs in it. So feel free to jump out there. But maybe this might give us a clue as well as to what uh, Vanch believes for Hubi Hercatch's year. So here we go. These are... Vanch's thoughts on the Polish world number 10. So I think relative to expectations, Hubert Hercatch had a mediocre year. In 2021, he made the Wimbledon semis. He won the Miami Open, beating a string of top 20 players along the way. Um, he also made the Paris Masters semifinal. And he qualified for the ATP finals. So people... By the way, by the way, I'm going to interrupt because I've got some very cool visual, visuals, but I want to share them. So I'm going to start this audio again. Hopefully the audience will be patient with me and we'll go again, okay? Here we go. So everybody's excited now. They've already heard his intro, but I just want to share a couple of visuals with everybody because I didn't show us this poll that Vanch put on because I didn't do that. So that's the poll I was referring to. Both a poll for a poll. How about that, Damien? And I got a poll on board today. Full of polls. Anyway, listen, uh, uh, puns aside, let's hear Vanch again and his thoughts on Hubi Hercatch. So I think relative to expectations, Hubert Hercatch had a mediocre year. In 2021, he made the Wimbledon semis. He won the Miami Open, beating a string of top 20 players along the way. Um, he also made the Paris Masters semifinal. And he qualified for the ATP finals. So people saw him as a legitimate top eight player. Whereas this year, he finished uh, as a second alternate. And he did have a few better results in the Masters 1000. Made a Monte Carlo quarterfinal, Madrid quarterfinal. Made the Canada Masters final. Backed up his, his uh, Miami Open defense with another semifinal. A tight loss to Alcaraz in two tie breaks. But I think what was disappointing about Hubert Hercatch's year is his three losses in majors. Both at the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the US Open. Australian Open, he loses very tamely in straight sets to Adrian Manorino, second round. You should not be losing that. He loses in the first round of Wimbledon. This was another one that was kind of inexplicable for me. He came in as one of the highest favorites. Uh, and no, Davidovich Fukina is a tough first round match. But he was up in the super tie break. He was twice up a break in the fifth set, and he didn't close that out. And people legitimately thought, saw him as a threat to win Wimbledon. And don't forget, he had also won Halle coming in, having beaten Medvedev in the final. So... And then to lose in the second round of the U.S. Open to Ilya Avashka. Another one of those losses that, for a player of his caliber, I still can't believe that he hasn't made it past the second round of a hard-court slam. And, you know, he's going to be, what, 26 uh, in upcoming February. So I think he needs to get... He needs to start doing better at the majors quickly. Um, and so so that's why I would still put it overall... I, I, the reason I say mediocre is his win percentage was a little higher than last year. He was at 61% last year. He's at 66% this year. So... I put it as mediocre. By the way, what do you think about my visuals, uh, Damien? Visuals were fantastic. I think the Vanch slightly exceeded uh, 60 seconds. Uh, oh, but, yes, you know, he does. We're, he does. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You only had one player. It's okay. <laughs> anyway... Uh -huh. Go on, Damien. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, funnily <laughs> enough, Vanch DM'd me last night about this poll and asked me about his opinion. And yeah, we, we basically got to the conclusion that uh, we have the exact same uh, things to say about Hubert Hurkacz 2022. Uh, yeah, uh, I think on the ATP Tour, it was much better than, the, than 2021 in terms of his consistency. He was so many times going deep in events, which was uh, very good to see. Even, even though he didn't get that uh, ATP final spot, I enjoyed how well he played uh, towards the end of the season to try to fight for it. Uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff happened there on the ATP Tour. But the Grand Slams, yeah, and with the first round loss to Davidovich Fokina and again, the, the two hardcore slams, which have never really been his forte yet. It, it, it's quite tough to say why, because he's been succeeding in pretty much virtually every conditions. Uh, this year, he even had a pretty good run at Ron Garros. And yet, so somehow he can't uh, he can't make uh, make it past the second round at the hardcore slams, and that's definitely the uh, the thing to improve going forward. Not sure if it's just mental or 
if somehow best of five play just isn't his best. But yeah, I can't call it good and I can't call it bad for, for these exact reasons. Uh, and yeah, and it has to be mediocre. We are cheating because this game is supposed to be good or bad and we're basically saying mediocre, mediocre, average. And I know, uh, yeah. although I, I don't know, maybe in, in the UK, and Nick, you can probably back or, or disagree with me, mediocre may also be, have a slight negative feeling mm -hmm. to it. Nick, what are your thoughts? Here in Italy too. Okay, there you go. Go on, Nick. What do you think? Or her catch. Uh, her catch. Her catch. Uh, I can back you up on the mediocre point. Um, her catch. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think the slams massively let his ear down. Um, he's underperformed for where he was ranked. He should be much more of a contender, particularly at Wimbledon. Um, but. Yeah, it was a shame because like he he did do well in Miami, he did do well in Canada. He actually excelled himself on clay in the Masters events. But tennis isn't all about the Masters events. The, the eyes are on the slams. If you want to be a contender, if you want to be legitimately one of the best players in the world, it's got to be the slams. So for me, I'm I'm gonna say it. I think I it's erring on the bad side for me. Mario, anything to add? Mm, yeah, it's quite this. Uh, uh, I particularly agree with Damien. Uh, for me, um, yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, uh, uh, he's uh, one of the players that probably uh, one of two results <laughs> uh, could have made the difference. I'm thinking about uh, uh, the final in Canada uh, against Carreño Busta. Um, uh, probably he went as as the slight favorite uh, in that match. Uh, yeah, even if in, in in a big final, so we we can say it. Um, so yeah, um, not good, not bad. <laughs> probably according to expectations. Cool. Yeah. By the way, visuals. Look, he said mediocre. Wimbledon. I thought that was a funny picture. Um, that was his obviously his win in, in Miami, Paris, etc. Uh, ATP finals. I thought that was quite a funny picture, especially as he's rocking the uh, the polo neck there. But then, of course, I started to become creative. Top eight player. <laughs> uh, first alternate or second alternate. I don't know what we thought about that image there. And uh, of course, we had a few more at the end there. Birthday time. Uh, he needs to get going quickly. And finally, of course, I thought this image summed up Hubert Hercatch's year. <laughs> Anyway. At the slums, at the slums, uh, non yeah, okay. Garros slums. That, that took me, by the way, about half an hour. And and the problem was, yeah. is I, pressed, I I started doing it and I was like, oh, hang on a second. I need to share the screen. Anyway, um, let's move on to our next player. And let's hear what Mario, first of all, thinks about this player's season. And this player is Barbora Krejcikova. Ah... Uh. <laughs> uh, quite difficult uh, um, even uh, uh, from a physical point of view uh, she had a lot of of issues uh, and so uh, her injuries uh, played a big big part uh, in in my speech uh, because Mm, she proved that she she's still really really good <laughs> at playing tennis. I'm thinking about the final against Iga Swiatek, uh, but even uh, her results uh, in in doubles uh, speak for herself. Uh, so um, I I don't want to 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 say bad uh, because. Injuries played a very, very big, big part in her season. Mm, so I, uh, I would say, uh, difficult, more, more than bad. Difficult. I prefer this word. Damien, do you want to add something? Not really. I mean, yeah, just depends how we look at the injury. Because if we say that, you know, okay, she had her eight months of the year just completely screwed up. And then she still does Tallinn and Ostrava back to back. Then I'm actually even even willing to say good because she's she's shown that when she's healthy, when she's in form, when she's in good match rhythm, she's gonna be like a regular top level player, not just a random top uh, 2021 one hit wonder. So um, yeah, all depends on how we perceive the injury, whether this 
you know, comes into consideration as uh, a sort of just just another obstacle for her that you know that makes her season bad because probably it does but if we can also treat it differently to sort of say that she she's shown that even in a, such a challenging year she's able to get herself to play like a top three top five player again yeah what do you think nick um i'm willing to let the injury define the year and call it a bad year um she's had great positive moments um the uh, as mario listed tackling telling beat and then ostrava beating Shiontek. Um, I would also include her run to the final in Sydney uh, when she beat Contivate in the semi-finals in an epic tie-break and then narrowly lost to Podossa in the final. Um, but uh, And so there's reasons to still be positive about her year, that, she can, that she's shown that she is one of the best players on the WTA Tour right now, um, legitimately. Um, but the injury just make the injury just colours the entire rest of the year, and so that makes it bad, but it's positive and that it wasn't it was kind of out of her control yep uh for me in a way again sort of one result and also coming in the second half of the year um kind of sort of saves things somewhat which is obviously the win in ostrava beating uh ego and really at a time when no one was beating ego it was sort of ego had two spells this year obviously we all remember the first spell particularly through the, the sunshine double but also then around the U.S. Open period, if you like, where she did sort of almost seem invincible. And uh, Krajikova kind of broke that spell. Um, and in a way, I think, like I say, if that result had come in January alongside the Sydney result or had come in February or something, then it probably would be a different feeling about her year. But because it happened quite recent, and we're all for recency bias here on Talking Tennis, uh, therefore I'm going with a, yeah, maybe an okay year. Okay, listen. Next player. And uh, let's start with uh, Nick on this one. I want to hear your thoughts on the year for Cam Norrie. Okay. You're sending me the Brits, John. You're just giving me all I the am. Brits. I am. I am. And I'm sending the poll. I sent the poll to Vanch first, but then I got uh, Damien's thoughts. But I'll get everyone's thoughts on Cam Norrie, no doubt. Go on, Nick. Okay. Cameron Norrie. Um, I'm <laughs> going to go with good. Um, because he's still um, winning um, ATP titles. He got to Wimbledon semi-final. Um, I think um, he definitely showed the same kind of form that gave him the Indian Wells title last year, which he, he kind of was very fortunate in. He was definitely the best player across that couple of weeks, but the draw kind of fell in his favour a little bit. And like he did, go wrong, he capitalised. Um, similar thing at Wimbledon, capitalised on his draw, got deep. Um, won some titles um, yes when you put him against the best players in the world he kind of falls short a bit we always thought that so I think he maximised his year of what he could get out of it um, and I would say I don't think you could say I can't think of any results off the top of my head that I would call disappointing for Cameron Norrie this year so good year Damien Nothing to add, really. I mean, yeah, he just, he's, he just keeps maximizing his talent, his potential. It's a different case than than when we're talking about Sabalenka and Rublev because we you know we, we have we know they have the game to do more. They're just unable to do it, you know, probably for mental reasons or just just know, some some other issues just stopping them along the way. And with Nori, we this is what we think is his maximum. So if he keeps doing it, I'm gonna call it good every single time because yeah, it, it wasn't really weaker than 2021, even though he got Indian Wells. But I fully agree with Nick that he was, you know, it, it was one of the weakest Masters Thousand Puffs uh, in, in recent history, definitely. So yeah, I, I don't think it was weaker than 2021, at least not much weaker. Mario, what no. are your thoughts? For me, um, I can say also better, uh, even uh, uh, looking at the ranking, yeah, uh, he was 12 and now he's 14, but his ranking is more solid now because uh, last year maybe we could we we could have thought like okay he's 12 but uh without uh, the, the 1000 points from indian wells um but now he's he's still in the top 15 um he did quite well even on, on clay i remember an epic match against alcaraz in in madrid um and yeah, he he had very very good results in in my opinion. So yeah, I, I agree. 
it was a good year. One thing that has to be added to what Mario said about the rankings, if he got the points for Wimbledon semis, he would have uh-huh. been yeah. in the top 10, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, Niederkarina yeah. Bustas, Beref, Rune, Hurkacz, yeah. Yeah, he would have been in the top 10 if, if Wimbledon semi points were added. So it's actually, a, I guess, a valid point that 2022 was a, uh, yeah, was a better year, even in 2021. And then, yeah, as Mario said, it's just not built around that Indian Wells uh, title. It's, it's not built around, built around one event. Cool. Nick, did you want to add something to that? Or I was going to make the exact same point Damien did. Oh, there you go. Great minds think alike. All right, listen, let's go with Mario on uh, this next player. And the next player on our list is Diego Schwartzman. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a bad year, in my opinion. Uh, even because uh, um, I think that uh, he started quite well, um, doing a good job, like in, on clay in February. Um, when during the South American swing, um, then he lost himself. Uh, yeah, he dropped out from 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 the top twenty for the first time since twenty nineteen, um, and that's a, a huge point in my opinion to to say that yeah, uh, it's been quite a bad year according to expectations mm. so nothing more to add i think that for me it's quite easy to to say that unfortunately it's it's been quite a bad year damien do you want to add something yeah i'd agree with the fact that the first half was pretty much what we expect from Diego Schwartzman. And then he was just so awful in the in the second half that maybe it's also like one of these cases where we just look at uh, what, you know, what was, what came recently. But I, I think that's how everyone looks at their season. You know, when players finish the season there, they're also more influenced by what happened at the beginning, uh, at the end that, than what happened at the beginning. Uh, I saw a pretty interesting stat today that I didn't expect uh, that Diego Schwartzman was the player with more the, the most uh, return points won throughout the year, uh, which was quite surprising to me because, well, it seemed like such a trash, awful year for him. But yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what John John was talking about earlier, that the second half is just so fresh in my mind that I did not remember he was actually, you know, for the first five, four or five months, he was actually the Diego Schwartzman that we know and love. So yeah, has to be called disappointing, but the first half definitely wasn't. Cool. Anything else to add, Nick? No, I completely agree with everything else you said. I think Diego Schwartzman hasn't really given us a memorable result since that Monte Carlo match against Stefano Tsitsipas. Yeah, yeah. And even that was a loss. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Crazy yeah. match. Yeah, it was a great match. But but um, um, from his perspective, uh, my problem with Schwartzman and probably like a lot of players that are ranked between maybe 10 and 30 in the world, perhaps, is <clears throat> they, uh, unlike perhaps her catch Certainly Rublev, certainly, certainly Tsitsipas. Um, we're kind of looking at those guys as maybe winning a slam, maybe at some point in their career, maybe next year. Somebody like Diego Schwartzman, I just feel like like so many players that are ranked in this area, Roberto Batista Agutz brings to mind, Karenio Busta as well. They may get a Masters 1000 at some point in their career, as Karenio Busta you know, proved this year, and RBA, of course, has had a great career. But I just think that, you know, I just don't see them, for example, getting to a slam final either, you know, either in the past or again in the future. And and Schwartzman, unfortunately, for various reasons, uh, I just don't see it. He got to the semi-final in, in Paris a couple of years ago at the, the French Open. And that will probably be the peak of his career when it comes to majors. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, Damien. Did he make a slam semi in New York as well, or was it a quarterfinal? I don't think he got to the semi. Um, Probably a, a couple of quarterfinals. Karenia Buster's got to the semi in New York. Yeah, and, twice. Uh, I, I do. Yeah. I do know that, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, no, I, I fully agree. But that's also, yeah, a couple of quarterfinals in New York. So, yeah, I, that's also what we were talking about with Nori, that, you know, the, the difference of expectations there. Uh, if, if Schwartzman had the air of Nori, we'd be saying that it was great, uh, as we were with Cam, right? And yep, if right. Rublev gets the, the year of Nori, we're going to say it's 
uh, at best mediocre. Um, yeah. Exactly. Okay. The final player I have on my list, and by the way, if any of you would like to add a player that you really want to air your views on, you may do so uh, at the end of this list, which is now coming to an end. The final player I have on the list uh, for good year, bad year, and it'll go for you, uh, Nick, to begin with, at least. I want to hear your thoughts, Nick, on good year, bad year, Daniel Collins. Okay. Good year. Um, very much injury affected, but um, every time she played, um, she brought everything to the court. Obviously, there's the Australian Open final, which is um, an achievement. I don't, I don't know how many people would have predicted she would win a grand. She would not win, get to a Grand Slam final um, in her career, uh, but she's done it. And Australia was probably the most likely place that was going to happen. She's very comfortable there, um, but like. She's, she's recorded good match results. She's looked strong at every tournament she's played in where she's fit and healthy. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a bit different with, it's a bit different coloured with the, uh, compared to Krajikova's injury we were talking about earlier um, because she's kind of worked her way around it. It doesn't it disrupts her year in a very different way. Um, but I think she can look back at this very positively. So, yeah, I'd say good year for Danielle Collins. Cool. Anything to add, um, Damien? Not really. I, I fully agree that uh, even though she was out for so for so long, whenever she was actually healthy, she was great. And uh, yeah, just just the fact that she made a Grand Slam final just lets you uh, skip over all these months where she wasn't able to compete or where she lost in in the opening rounds. You know, barely being healthy. Um, we just don't care about it. I'm sure she doesn't care about it. You know, she she made the, uh, a grand slam final this year, and that's like the only, uh, the only thing that matters. I think in the end, even though that final was at the beginning of the year, but when when the result is this important, I think the the recency bias doesn't come into play that much. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, Mario, probably, probably there's uh, like a slight disappointment for her. Uh, that uh, uh, probably after that uh, Australian Open final, if not injured, uh, uh, even with mediocre results, she could have been like it in Fort Worth for the WTA finals. So probably she could have finished the year in the top 10. So, um, uh, yeah, but having reached the Grand Slam finals, um, yeah, it's... It, at her age, like she, she is 28. So probably when, when she was 20, 21, um, she, she had a, a great, a great role, a great path to, to being there. So I think that she must be proud of what, of what she, she did. Yep. Completely. Um, my thoughts just to add as well, I think Australia uh, was an incredible run. She was the most, for me, the most dynamic player in the tournament. Uh, I'm not saying that means that she deserved to win it, but I, I enjoyed watching her play as much, at least as much, but possibly more than anyone else uh, in that tournament. Certainly on the WTA side, I thought every match was so aggressive. She was a double break up. Or, was she a double break or a single break up in the second set? Um, she was certainly 5-1, I think. 5-1, double Wasn't break she? in the second set. I think set. she was 5-1 up. Yeah, so that that obviously will be will will haunt her to some extent. But I also thought that New York suggested um, that she could be a threat again in Australia in terms of her hard court performances and barely played this year. The health issues, and yet really, I think must her win percentage must be quite high despite some of the early round defeats she had. Because I looked at the players in the sort of top twenty, and she's easily played the least, easily played the least, uh, and yet her her ranking is is, is halved basically. And of course, she was in a. She was also close with Savalenka. That could have gone either way uh, in New York. So that's my thoughts. Nick, have you got anything else to add on Daniel Collins? No, I don't think so. <clears throat> cool. That's great. Listen, that is the end of my list. If there was a particular player like Vanch had that player that he really wanted to share his views on, um, do let me know now. Is there anyone in particular, Nick, that you feel that you want to speak about regarding this year? Uh, just trying to to run through it. It depends because I haven't seen your previous two shows, so I don't want to recover anyone who you may have already discussed. Okay, um, I think when I was like scanning through my head, or who might be an interesting pers person to do, I actually came up with um, with two names, 
I think they might be fairly easy to do. Um, but one is Amanda and Anastamova, and one is Madison Keys. Good. And we've done neither of them on any of our shows. So <laughs> tell me your thoughts on Madison Keys. Um, so Madison Keys um, has had, let's face it, a disappointing couple. Of, well, definitely last season. I think maybe the season before as well. Um, slightly disappointing, um, given that a lot of people think she's got talent to win a slam. I think there's, she's a bit like an Andre Rublev, big game, a um, lot of a potentially high ceiling, but hasn't really shown it. And when she's been in positions to show it, her she's got a bit nervous. Um, but this year she got to Australian Open semi-final. She's won titles. She's been in the mix at quite a few tournaments. Um, so uh, to get herself back, getting herself back in the mix um, would be um, a good year for me. Cool. Anything to add, um, uh, Mario? Um, for me, I I would like to to make an a honorable mention to Roberto Bautista Gut okay. <laughs> uh, because uh, he's um, he's a player I I admire a lot for for how um, how he works and fights on the court uh, uh, even at this stage of his career uh, he's he's still a, a dangerous threat for. Um, for like every top player in, in in the early stages of tournament, I remember, for example, he stopped Felix in Astana. Uh, he still won two titles on two different surfaces this year on clay and uh, and on heart in in Doha. Um, so yeah, I'm, he's a player I admire a lot. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um. Damien, uh, we'll come back to Nick in a minute on Anisimova as well. But before we do that, Damien, is there anyone that you think uh, deserves a mention that we haven't mentioned so far? Yeah, I was just glancing through the rankings and, and thinking who could be a, a nice conversation topic here. Uh, I came up with uh, Ostapenko and oh, Sebastian yeah, okay. Baez. Yeah. And Sebastian Baez, did you do either of these? Uh, no, let's on, tell me about Ostapenko. No, I've, actually got, I've got Leila Fernandez to discuss. Yeah, I missed her off, but go on. Tell me Ostapenko. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly was just excited to hear what the guys think. Like, what sort of expectations we have concerning Ostapenko at this point? Because, well, of course, she won a Grand Slam. Of course, she was in the like, top five or something. Uh, but then again, can I really say that her year that her year was disappointing? I I can't really do that. I think uh, it's just I I don't really believe that she will get back to this level, or maybe if she does, it's also going to be like a, just a one-off, like the 2017 Ron Garros title was. So I think she had enough good runs. Of course, of course, like she always does. It was coupled with many first-round losses, but I think she had enough good runs for me to call it. Uh, pretty good year for her standards in fact like at least at least mediocre cool any thoughts on um ostapenko nick she does divide opinion uh ostapenko is yeah she is divisive uh for her personality but her uh, her game is breathtaking to watch in terms of how hard she hits it uh ostapenko is one of those double ta players a bit like petra kvitova now, not so much in her early in her career, um, who will have one amazing tournament a year where she's by far the best player in the world and no, and no one can touch her. She had that at Roland Garros in 2017. She had that in Dubai this year. Um, she had that at Eastbourne last year. Um, what? Um, so I would say this is a pretty standard year for Ostapenko. She's probably backed up a little bit more with some solid results. Um Wimbledon, I think she underperformed. I think I don't know what went happened in that Tatiana Maria match, but um, I think she got frustrated. Uh, uh, but I would say, yeah, it's a good year for Ostapenko. But I think it's kind of the uh, if she didn't win a title, it's going to be disappointing. It's kind of what we kind of come to expect for one decent sized title and not much else. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to give a quick mention for Kai Kanepi, by the way who um, she didn't reach her highest ranking this year, I think, um, she, but she was close to it because her highest ever ranking in her career is number 15. Uh, she achieved in 2012. She currently sits at 32, but my thoughts are that she was probably top 20 at some point uh, this year, given how well she did in, in Australia and to some extent in New York, I guess 
you could say that she didn't do well in the way the way that that match. I, I guess Kanepi stuck in my head for the for the run she had. I think yeah. it was to the semi semifinals in in Australia. Was it quarterfinals, Nick? Quarterfinals. Quarters. Yeah. But she also stuck in my head as well because of the epic match match she had with uh, Sabalenka. Although now I'm thinking about it, it might have been second or third round rather than third round stages. Yeah. So. But listen, just for someone at her age, I mean, Elise Cornet as well kind of falls into that bracket. But uh, in fact, no, Elise Cornet, best best year of her career, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and really, what's she, 37 maybe? Am I right on that? Something like that? No, I don't know. Yes, 35. 35, something like that, I think. Definitely not 37. Well, actually, no, she's actually, no, it's 32 even. 30, Sorry, Elise. 32 only? Yeah, according to Wikipedia. Oh, Cornet. Yeah, Cornet. I was like thirty-four Sorry. or something. Okay. Yeah, it's Canepi. I was thinking confused with thirty. Yeah, Canepi. Canepi is thirty-seven. I think. Yeah. At least Cornet is, is saying that she's going to retire, but she's kind of been retiring all year, and I think she's now suggesting she will at least play the French Open. But I'm pretty sure she'll play Australia as mm. well. Listen, we've touched on those two players, but there are a couple other players that I definitely want to speak about before we finish. The first one is Anisimova. Nick, tell me your thoughts. Um, yeah, Anna Samova, definitely good year for her. Um, played one of the matches of the year against Naomi Osaka, got a title, got a really good run to the Wimbledon quarterfinals. Bouncing back from um, dealing with personal tragedy in her life um, is uh, it, it's it's a it's a good story for her, and to see that it's not really about her career, she's definitely on her day one of the best players, and hopefully that trajectory um, continues. Um, yeah, lots of really good positive results um, throughout the year. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if she can repeat that Grand Slam semi-final she got when she was 17. Cool. Any other thoughts on, on Anisimova, Damien? Yeah, while we know she can do better, of course she can. Uh, because of what Nick mentioned, like the, the past couple of years being very challenging for her. I, I still have to consider it good. And yeah, there were moments when she looked like a top 10 player, when she looked like a uh, like someone who could win uh, a Grand Slam, like someone who could challenge the Świątek or any any other best player. So yeah, has to be good. And hopefully she will do even better in 2023. Mario, do you have anything on Anisimova? Well, I, I agree. It's it's been a very good year. In fact, uh, she she's very high in all in all the stats. Um, even like the percentage of of winning percentage, uh, probably um, the injury in the last part of the season prevented her to to finish it in like in the top twenty. Uh, probably she could have done it. Um, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been very good for me as a year from from here. Um, I don't know if I can, but uh, I would also mention a good season from Benchich. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go on, Mario. Elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, uh, because she. Um, her ranking uh, went went up a bit uh, this season. She uh, she's now close to to the top ten. Uh, she won the Billy Jinking Cup with Switzerland, uh, but she she had um, also quite deep runs. I remember uh, Miami and then winning on clay uh, on the green clay in uh, in Charleston. Um, so yeah, but um, she's also a player that uh, um, uh, who can play very good. I think that uh, uh, this is a good season, but probably she, she can do even better next year because uh, I think that she has a very good anticipation um, and she can do the difference even more uh, in this game. Cool. Um, anything to add on Benchic, um, Nick? Um, I think Benchic is, uh, yeah, I'd say it's a good season for her. It's pretty solid. Um, not quite the headline result that we saw in 2021 with the Olympic gold or 2020 with the US Open semi-final, but she was in the mix. She was there or thereabouts, um, always in the conversation. Um, and I would say, I think there was, I, I'm really annoyed that I can't remember what the stat was, but I remember seeing this and it was either match wins or top 10 wins 
something like that. But Benchich was in the top 10 and in the mix and, and like one of the leaders of it. Um, so it made, I remember looking at Sat, I'm annoyed I can't remember what it was. I think it might be something J.I. tweeted a while back um, that made me think, hmm, surely her ranking of just being outside the top 10s and underperformance, but rankings are a bit weird this year. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's, it's a pretty good season for Belinda Bencic, despite not necessarily having some of the same headline results. It's, she's definitely had worse seasons. She's got a Grand Slam win in her, I think. And I thought it might just come in New York. And I was a bit disappointed with her going out as early as she did. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Go on, Nick. You want to say something? Okay, that's fair. That I, I thought the same, that she'd be a contender in New York. Yeah. Just because of the semi-final from the year before, I don't know. I had a good feeling about her through the through that period of the year as well. And I think she is someone that does tend to perform well at this time of the year. But listen, she's also someone that does seem to perform pretty well for the for the Swiss national team, if you like, in the Billie Jean Cup, uh, etc. So, yes, listen, I've got one more player to add to the mix. And I'm going to add it now. And that player is uh, Leila Fernandez. For me on Leila Fernandez, and then I'll come to what you guys think. It's kind of interesting and incredible how both her and Emma Raducanu have had similar 12 months, if you like, since uh, their incredible runs to the final in New York. The incredible runs that they both had in New York, by the way, were very different uh, in the fact that Raducanu, I think, didn't drop a set, whereas Leila Fernandez was constantly coming from behind to just about win every match that she played there. And uh, that fighting spirit was, uh, you know, was much to be admired. I... But every time we go into a slam, uh, if you like, this year, she's particularly on the hard courts anyway, the one in Australia and, and, and in New York. It was kind of like, yeah, she she could do. She could do. And then she goes out and it's like, OK, well, you know, second season syndrome, if you like. But she has gone under the radar a little bit for me compared to Raducanu. Maybe that's because I'm British and I'm meeting more British media than than American media, for example, or North American media. Um but also perhaps her crash hasn't been quite so dramatic, I guess, because Maducan, I think, is now ranked 75, as we can see there on the screen. Layla is still 40. Layla, of course, as well, had an injury or two this year. She missed Wimbledon. So maybe, you know, that she could point to as well. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on Layla's here? Uh, yeah, I was hoping we'd talk about Layla. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Layla's one of my favourite players um, on the WTA Tour right now. Um, up there with um, Iga Shviontek. And I would, I, I agree with you. Her, her year has not been, her sort of her, her, her second season syndrome, as you call it, has not been that bad. She's still top 40. She still won a title in um, Monterey. Um, she um, got to that French Open quarterfinal and that's why she sustained the injury. Um, but she played really good tennis there. Um, there were flashes of brilliance throughout the year. Um, I think I actually think of her year in a similar way to Barbara Krajikova's in that I think had she not been injured, that might then her year may have played out very differently because she built up some really good momentum after the French. Um, I definitely thought she'd have a better season than Raducanu, um, just judging by how they both performed in Indian Wells in 21. Um, so for me, yeah, um, it's not a good, it's it's not a good year. Um, I would say overall bad year for Fernandez, be mainly because of the injury. Uh, but there were flashes of brilliance um, in the mix as well to give give her some confidence going into next year, a bit like with Krajikova. Cool. Anything else to add, um, either of you two, Damien or um, Mario? Yeah, I think it's better than it sounds generally. Uh, as we said, I mean, injuries were definitely played a part. I think the only way I could give like a 100% negative answer for this is if I expected that after the 2021 US Open final, she's just going to keep making Grand Slam finals. And I don't think that's really going to happen, at least not with how her game looks right now. It needs some serious revamping to, to actually get to that level. And I consider it a bit of a, you know, flash in the pan but uh, yeah just just from that standpoint I think she showed enough 
good stuff to make me like it, it's still bad it's, it's definitely not good of course but it was you know it was okay-ish and uh yeah I, I i wouldn't say she has to feel like super disappointed with the way her year went although obviously i i'm sure that she would have liked to like you know play it out on the court and not spend some time off of it and actually struggle because of physical problems as well cool mario anything to add yeah, um, I agree. It's been quite bad, but with some good signs like the title won in Monterey and the Roland Garros quarterfinals. So um, quite a bad year, but still good to be bad. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I, I explained. <laughs> yeah, there's a few there's a few silver linings to the cloud, as we might say. In English. Listen, anything from you three? Anyone quickly before we um, bring this to an end? Jeffro isn't here, but how about Sebastian Baez? How do we treat this sort of a year where the guy is like, I, I, I just counted it like 32 and 35, I think, for the year. And yet he's actually, you know, made a top 40 ranking one. No, he lost. He lost that final, right? Uh, both. Both. In, title. Uh, title. Uh, he lost to Martinez and he lost to um, and he lost to uh, he lost to Serundolo and he won against Tiafo in Estoril. Uh, uh, okay, okay, yes, yes. So yeah, got a title and uh, got a title. Well, make made another two finals and yet he's on a negative win loss record for the year. Yet he ends the season on like fifteen wins uh, losses in a row despite uh, beating Lorenzo Sonego in Naples. So yeah, what what do you guys think about this? Because I honestly can't. I don't know what to say. Nick, go on. Good year. Um, I think, yeah, okay, lost more matches, but hey, how do you get that? that uh, how do you get to the top forty with a negative uh, win loss record? I think that's something to be admired, rather be uh, rather than uh, massively detract. Um, I think he's shown himself to be a player who can be thrown in the side of the top players going forward. Um, like he had a really, really good match with Carlos Alcaraz in the US Open before kind of uh, physicality challenged him and got in the way. Um, there was that title. So, yeah, I think I think Baez is someone... Oh, he nearly got beat Zverev at Ronald Gauss. He went two sets to yeah. one up. So um, lots of positive moments um, and any negatives. He's still pretty young. He's 21. He's making his way up the rankings. So there's going to be plenty of dips in the process. So... Yeah, I'd say overall good. Cool. Man. Yeah, I think too. I think too. It's it's been for me a, a good season, and I think that these losses are are still part of of the process. So um, I think that he can he can look back with a smile at <laughs> uh, this season, making three three finals. Uh, last year he was playing mainly challenger tournaments, so. Making three three finals in the ATP Tour, winning one title for me, it's enough to to consider his year as a good season. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Uh, the the three finals definitely just uh, make it. Uh, you know, all, all the losses in the latter half of the year. Uh, I think at some point he can be a decent hardcore player. He hasn't developed there as as quickly as I thought he would. But then again, yeah. As you, as you said, three finals. And this is also a case where if he beats Zverev at Ron Garros and potentially went like two steps further, then this wouldn't even be a discussion. Like we just straight up say, great. And yeah, go to next. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, I will bring today's show to an end. It's been uh, great talking to you, everyone. Um, Nick, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, John. Thank you as well to you, Damien. And to you as well, Mario. Um, hopefully we'll see you all again very soon. I'm going to leave us on a little promo video uh, that we have for some episodes that are coming up in December. And uh, yeah, I hope you um, get to enjoy this video and, and those episodes that are coming up. So take care, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.